0: so this morning is a good morning we're celebrating 14 years of being a church here um and all glory to god for his faithfulness in that for you guys who are visiting and i know we have a lot of newer people who have joined freedom fellowship um for you guys who don't know we never tried to start a church it's something that god just said i'm gonna do this and he quickly added to the church and he brought along faithful brothers and sisters and here we are 14 years later God's still doing his thing, which is awesome. And we just want to be humbly following him, doing what he's asked us to do. And one of those things he's asked us to do as the church is to take his word seriously. He's told us that the church is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And he's told us to teach the word of God. So we have the privilege of being able to do that uh, here at Freedom. And we've been in one of the neatest, coolest chapters in all the Bible Uh, Romans chapter 8 which we're going to look this morning at verses 18 to 27 together so if you guys will open up in your Bibles at this time so I got to share with you guys jumping into Romans 8 as many of you know this is my favorite chapter in the Bible there's a lot of times as a preacher, you kind of get excited about what you get to preach. And sometimes you think like, oh, this is the best study that's ever come together. This is going to be good. And sometimes it bombs. And sometimes, oh, it is really good. But I want to tell you guys, because there's a lot of feedback. A lot of you guys are like, hey, preaching's been good. The scriptures are awesome. And that's why it's good, because the word of God is awesome. Do you guys know that? In this morning guys, we really have um, we have a great hope in Jesus Christ, the greatest hope that there is for anybody. That's what we have as Christians. that's what we get to share with this world. and this is where the Apostle Paul is going to take us this morning in this letter that he wrote to the Romans 2,000 years ago. So, we're going to take a look at verse 18 and we're going to start there. And this verse really encompasses glory. Okay. Do you guys know that God is altogether glorious? Do you know that any one of us, if we actually got to see God right now in all of his glory, would just drop down dead? That's how awesome he is. Okay. Uh, Look at verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, right now, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Think about that, guys. God has a plan. And he has a part a part of that plan for you and I, guys, is this redemptive suffering moving to its fulfillment at the end of the age. Okay. Have any of you guys in here suffered? Am I the only one? I'll put up two hands. Okay. We suffer in this life, but God uses that, and there is glory awaiting us. I would ask you guys um, to pray. You guys know our sister, AJ. We love her. She plays the piano up here for her. her father passed away yesterday. Okay, And I think one of the, because some of us, we, we suffer daily. Some of us have chronic pain. We have things we go through, but I think as human beings, When we lose a loved one, I think that's some of the hardest grieving, suffering, hardships that we face in life. But there's a hope in it because there is a glory. Okay, from Mike Hallbach, AJ's dad, he's in glory with Jesus right now. Okay, and I believe, and he he was a man that loved the Lord. Okay, He, he taught the scriptures, he shared about this redemptive suffering with others he shared the good news with many he had a hope in jesus and you know what guys he's there today in glory revelation 21 4 no more pain there's no more suffering for him guys he is whole but for aj's family it's hard we know our sister's hurt we know it's her family so we pray that God would pour out his grace to give them peace and comfort in this time. But I know our brother, Mike, he would say, hey, hold on, guys. Because let me tell you what, heaven is way, way more wonderful than we ever imagined. I preached on it. It doesn't even came close. My preaching didn't even come close to what it really is like. And he is so awesome. That, guys, is reality. And that is going to be glory. And we look forward to that. So, suffering this morning we're going to look at. It is certain. We're also going to look at suffering is purposeful. And suffering does not, or doesn't compare. So let's look at uh, verse 16 and 17. Because uh, we looked at this last week. But this is to fellow heirs. Those who are In Christ, okay, part of his family, his kids, as his heirs, we have this. It says, the Spirit bears, or himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if the children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Are you guys catching what Paul is laying down here? Okay, there was a Nicene Council. Some of you guys are familiar with it. The church meeting there, fourth century A.D. And of the 318 delegates, guys, um attending, fewer than 12 of them had not lost or they had not lost an eye or lost a hand or did not limp on a leg lamed by torture for their Christian faith. Faith. So think about that. As Christians, we suffer. So suffering is a certainty in the life of a believer, okay? But it's not always physical suffering. It could be emotional suffering. There could be a soul ish suffering. There can be s- spiritual suffering. We go through things as Christians. There's an easy gospel being preached out there today. Hey, Come to Jesus Christ, and your life's going to be great. Everything's going to be good. You'll be happy all the time. Everything's going to work out. No more pain, no more suffering. That is so unbiblical, guys. The gospel that is presented in the Bible, there is a cost to following Christ. You who live godly will suffer persecution. That is a promise. Okay, You might not find that on one of your cute little promise books, Okay, but that is in the word of God. And we must go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. No one is exempt from it. So as we suffer, we should have some good theology around it. Okay? It is a part of our lives. It's something that God uses. And it's something we can glean and learn a lot this morning from this passage of scripture. So maybe you are experiencing right now rejection because you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe it's from your family. Maybe it's from some friends. Maybe it's from co-workers. And if you're not, you're going to at some point in life. That's just what happens. People don't like that we believe in Jesus, that we want to live for him, that we believe that he is the only way. So we also see that suffering is purposeful. Look at the second part of verse 17 here. It really leads us to glory but it says if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. So do you think God has ever once thrown pain and suffering your way just to watch you squirm? Some people think that but that's not God. God is love. Um, How many guys enjoy C.S. Lewis? Okay. Professor, Author, theologian, love him. Um, and I love, he developed this analogy uh, in his work, The Problem with Pain. Okay? And I want to share with you guys um, what he laid out. Okay, He said in this analogy, if we had a, a mold, a cast uh, of a key, it would look strange if we had never seen a key. And a key will look strange if you've never seen a lock so if you look at that mold that cast of a key to be of our suffering in our present state then it will look awful strange if we don't understand that there is a key and that key guys is glory that's the key we have glory awaiting us we've been justified we're being sanctified and when we pass on from this life like our brother Mike did yesterday, we will be in glory with Jesus. Think about that. So, um, I do want to speak real quickly, because when I counsel with people and I talk with those who are hurting, have fallen on hard times, okay, um, depressed, <laughs> uh, suffering. A lot of times, everything going on in their life is being dictated by how they're feeling. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I can see pretty clearly that what is right, what is true, truth, it doesn't always line up with how I feel about things. And that's why it's so good that we are grounded in the Lord. And his word for Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's our way to glory, guys. And there's times when we're suffering and going through it, despite how we feel, we got to stand in truth. And that is so important. Um, I went through a season years ago for years of pretty dark depression, very hard. Something I was not acquainted with. Something I had to others that dealt with it, didn't quite understand what they went through. For you haven't struggled with depression at all it is way worse than you ever could imagine, okay? Your feelings are so off the rails, okay? So misdirected. But something we have as Christians, even though you might feel like there is no hope, okay? Everything just turns negative. You're living in the dark cloud that just, you can't even breathe, okay? There is truth. So despite the feelings, we still choose truth, This is what you've declared, God. This is who I am. Even though I'm feeling this way, maybe personally, this is who you say I am. This is my identity in you. And we need to be able to stand in truth, guys. And oftentimes we feel weak. I can't get through this circumstance, this situation. I have no strength. I'm wiped. I'm fatigued. I can't go on. Do you guys know what God does when we're weak? He's strong. His grace suffices. And then who gets the glory in our weakness? He does. Guys, and we get to share in that glory. Because some of you who are close to me, and I let in a little bit as I was going through, how do you do it, Pastor? I didn't want to get out of bed. Last thing I want to do is get up and preach. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go and minister to another person who's depressed, also. That just brings me down more. How am I gonna do that, Lord? His grace shall suffice, guys. And he will give you the grace needed. And that's, guys, when we share in the glory with the Lord. I mean, think about Jesus, okay? It's really, you know, you might feel this way, but it's about whom we know. It's Jesus. And we look at his example, right? We're told in Philippians 2 that Jesus, uh, the one who... Emptied himself of glory, right? He became like you and I. God became like us. He emptied himself completely, being found in the human form, right? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. You guys want to talk about suffering? Look to the cross for a moment. We crucified God. Jesus Christ. Sinless. Perfect sacrifice did no wrong, just came and bare witness to the truth. His own people crucified him. Talk about suffering, guys. But we get to share in that, don't we? Because he was willing to suffer, he emptied himself and went through all of that. We get to live. What a Savior, guys. What a God we have. So I want to go back to the key analogy just for a second. If we get that, and understand this, we can begin to understand Then every notch cut into our lives in this present world is very purposeful. Matter of fact, guys, one day our special key will spring a lock. No other key will be able to open to our own mansion in heaven. Think about that. So if you go down, say, to Ace Hardware here to get a key cut, isn't that the most awful sound in the world when they're grinding that key? Like, oh, stop! You know, it's horrible. Okay? Um, but wouldn't you be mad that if, you know, the guy working at Ace hands you a blank key? You know? Because he didn't want to cause us any pain. Wouldn't you guys be a little... No! I need a specific key for a... Re- Don't give me a blank. That won't work. Are you willing to take a little bit of pain? Absolutely. So the key cutter, um, you know, if he puts in the blank just because he doesn't want to cause any pain, we're going to say no, okay, because we know that every cut is needed, strategically placed. It's purposeful in the hands of our maker, guys. So like custom grips say, I don't golf, but I know some of you guys who like to golf, you told me how you've had special clubs made with special grips okay or some of my sisters you guys get so stoked about your wedding dresses you know Um, which is cool y'all look beautiful in those but there's just something about when you have that because when we have every trial every tribulation we go through the suffering the pain all the disease around us you know we need to see those things also as a custom fit in our lives God has a purpose in it. A lot of us have been tripping this last year and a half because of the pandemic. It sucks. It really does. It's been hard. But stepping back and just seeing what God's doing through it, people are actually reprioritizing things in their lives, the things that actually matter. I see God refining his church through it. Seen a lot of brothers and trip, brothers and sisters tripping over temporal things in this life, and because of facing all this in the last couple years, okay, their eyes have been turned to Jesus in a way that they hadn't been before. Eternity is what matters, man. We could gain this whole world, we could find you know the perfect vaccine that no one will ever get it again. Whoop-de-do if they die. Great, maybe they live a long life, 80, 90 years, and they die and end up in hell for all time. Who cares then, right? But man, if going through a real life thing, if death is staring you in the face, how many people actually start to weigh out their mortality? What's going to happen to me after this life? People are coming to know Jesus, guys. It's exciting. Do you guys know what we're doing right here, right now? They're not allowed to do in China. You can't gather together publicly to worship Jesus. Do you guys know that China has the largest amount of Christians in the world? And probably the healthiest church. They're out evangelizing. They're out sharing. They're on their knees. They're praying. And they're sending missionaries here to America. Wow. A little persecution. Can God use hard things in our lives? Absolutely. You guys liking what Paul's laying down for us this morning? I'm loving this. Next point. Let's take a look here. Suffering doesn't compare to our future glory. It doesn't even come close. Look at this. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay? Catch what Paul is saying here. Now, I want to flip this for a second because there's a great example in the Gospel of John when it comes to the, uh, with childbirth, Okay? Uh, we read in John chapter 16, verse 21 and 22, it says, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice in your joy No one will take away from you. So this world, guys, we are going to have birth pains in our Christian life. That is a promise in Scripture. If you're not having them, I'd probably question your salvation. Because as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to go through it. Now, I remember being at St. Elizabeth Hospital three different times. Okay, And each time I was there, I got to be Sonny's coach. Okay? And I'd I, I I'd be, babe, <clears throat> hold my hand, not that hard, babe. <laughs> babe, <laughs> breathe with me. <sighs> I'm sorry, some of you guys are probably having horrible flashbacks, but I got to coach her right because I wanted to keep mommy focused, focal point focused breathing okay this technique is gonna help you let's do it you can do it babe the encouragement was needed because he or she is almost here it's gonna be real soon you can do it just hold on a little longer we're almost you're almost there right paul also catch this guys in a. Uh, Oh, I got John's up there. Next one. Oh, I'm doing that. Sorry, guys at home. Now we have it up on the screen. All right. Paul says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding <laughs> and eternal weight of glory. Think about that, guys. So if God, let's say, places <clears throat> um, <laughs> heavenly scales, Okay. If, if we have our earthly hardships, okay, on one side, and then our heavenly inheritance on the other, you guys know how far tipped <laughs> that scale is going to be? That's what Paul is saying here. That's what God is wanting you and me to understand this morning. Yeah, there is a cost to following Christ. The world's not going to like it, okay? The enemy, Satan, hates when a person comes to Jesus, okay? we're going to go through things in this life, but our inheritance, what is awaiting us is far, far greater. And then this brings us to creation, a creation that groans. Let's take a look at verse 19 here. It says, For the earnest expectation of creation, it eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So this earnest expectation, okay, the Greek lexicon says this of it, watching eagerly with outstretched head, okay, There is a derision from all other things, and there's a concentration on one single thing. That's what Paul is saying here. So, eagerly awaits. It's to await expectantly, but patiently with the idea of readiness and preparedness. So, eagerness, okay, eagerly awaits. I want you guys to catch this because it only comes up this little phrase. Seven times in the New Testament. And you guys can check this out because every time we read eagerly waits, it's connected with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Think about that, guys. As Christians, what are we eagerly waiting for? We're, oh man, I can't wait for the rapture to finally see Jesus face to face, guys. And that could be any day. Do you guys know all prophecy has been fulfilled up to the point of the rapture of the church? And then Christ is going to return. That's where we are to be looking for him. I know a lot of Christians are looking and trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. We're never told in the Bible to be looking for him. We are to be looking for our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is our blessed hope. We're looking into him. We talked on a Wednesday with a Christian guy who loves conspiracies. He's into everything that's going on in the world, and everything to him is a conspiracy. And we have some really fun conversations. And he's like, "Aren't you scared about all the globalization? Because this is going to happen, and the world's coming together." I'm like, "Praise the Lord, brother. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus Christ to come back. I am all for globalization because God said it must happen before He comes." God said it's going to happen, and if we see it happening, guys. We should be getting excited. Amen. I don't want to stop it. I want Jesus to come back. He is the answer to all our problems in this world. You want to see the wrongs righted? Our Savior needs to come back. He will rule and reign upon this earth. The government will be upon his shoulders because the governments of this world—they're not doing it well right now. Even the ba- like—we got the best government in the world, guys, and we're a mess. We need Jesus Christ to come back. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, verse 20. Look at this. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Creation was subject to futility, or frustration, we're told. So here we have creation, animate and inanimate objects, personified. Okay? Okay? We think of tornadoes or hurricanes. and you guys have been through a hurricane? Anybody? I've been through a tornado. And I'm like, man, a hurricane would be fun. Anyways, floods, earthquakes, forest fires, blizzards, there's heat waves. These locusts, okay, plagues. It's just nuts, okay? And these are just few of the imbalances that we see in nature. Since the fall of man, okay, this world has been groaning. Okay, things are off. We have fallen. And we also learn from creation's decay, death, birth, growth, decay, death cycle, right? We see our lives are fleeting. Unless Jesus comes back for the church pretty soon, we're all going to see death. We we don't really die. We just get to pass on into eternal life. That's kind of exciting, guys. Think about that. But that is something everybody has to face. We go through it. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. So are you eager as the rest of creation to see your final and complete redemption? I am. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more homesick I get. I just want to be home. I look forward to that day. Homecoming. Homecoming. Do you dream about heaven? Are you waiting for Jesus on your tippy toes with your head outstretched looking for him? I sure am. Last night we were driving home from the youth retreat and there was just the coolest cloud across the sky. And the moon was behind it. And it was just like, I wish I had a good camera at the moment. I'm just like, that is so cool. And I'm thinking, Jesus, you're coming back on, a cloud, on the clouds. Is this the cloud? Or are you coming right now? Like, like, that would be so cool, Father. I'm ready to go. Ready to be with you. And oh, to be like a caged bird that will beat its wings against the prison's cage, hoping to one day escape, to fly free in heaven's sky. It's going to be glorious, guys. But we groan, don't we? Take a look at verse 23. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So groaning, guys. God hears groaning. Do you know that? I think of Exodus chapter 2, verses 23, 24, and 25. And now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out, And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and acknowledged them. God hears your groaning. Have you been in so much pain? Defeat? just weighed down by the hardships that you can't even pray. You're just groaning. If you haven't, have a kidney stone. Oh. Now, gals, I don't know how bad labor is, but kidney stones. I passed out one time because the pain was so bad. And I couldn't pray. I couldn't talk. Everything just hurt. I was just groaning. But my groans were prayers to God. And he met me in that. And he put me to sleep, and I didn't have to feel the pain for a while until I woke up again. <laughs> so when it says first fruits, in other words, both the first installment in a pledge for the final delivery of the whole, and it also has a guarantee. Are you guys seeing this? This is good stuff, brothers and sisters. We have a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 5.5 and I'm going to read it from the NIV because I love how they, they put this verse. It says, Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what will come. That's why Jesus said you must be born again of the Spirit of God. Spiritually born again. And Jesus is the only one who can do that. You guys understand that? by trusting in him, putting your faith in him alone. So this is God's pledge of our complete triumph with Christ to the end. The Spirit himself, think about that. He is our gift, guys. So the Spirit himself is the evidence that uh, at the present time, we are sons and daughters of God. Look back to verse 14 that we looked at last week. What does it say? For as many who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I've talked with a lot of people. They think they're children of God because they go to this church or they're part of this denomination and they give money and maybe they got wet one time at a baptism and that's why they get to go to heaven. We get to go to heaven because God has forgiven us. He gave his only begotten son who lived a perfect sinless life to die upon a cross to pay a debt you and I couldn't pay. And that sinless sacrifice took because when he, was, he, he died, they buried him. And he rose three days later. And that's why Jesus can say, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never perish but have eternal life. And those who believe on him in a way are given the Holy Spirit, are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There is a promise. So he who has the Spirit shall in the end be saved. It doesn't matter how good you are. The Bible says good people are in hell. The Bible says bad people are in heaven. But those bad people have been forgiven because of Jesus. So we eagerly await the adoption It hasn't happened yet, not fully, right? Our spirits testify with his that we're his kids, but we're not fully adopted. We're not home yet. So believers, we yearn for the full adoption as sons and daughters. So the adoption, it's really a process. Think through this with me, guys. Yep, a child is chosen. There's a meeting. Time is spent with them. Sometimes they'll even live with a family for a month to see if they're compatible, um, if they'll come and live with them. And if the family seeks to adopt, then there's a lot of paperwork to be filled out. And then a pledge. There's a guarantee that is made, a deposit for that child. Then the child returns eagerly, waiting the adoption. He, she can return to the orphanage, tell their friends, hey, I've been adopted. I have a family. And a child at the orphanage might say, no, you're still here. And the child responds, yes, I am. But I have a promise. I have a guarantee. And oh, what a terrible wait for the child. But oh, what a terrible wait for the new parents, right? They can't wait. And so with us, our adoptive process, guys, we are chosen by God. Before we even knew he was looking at our picture, right? Right? Then there's this meeting, our salvation, where we're, yeah, I wa- you love me, you want me, I wanna be with you, right? Let's do this. And then we are given a pledge, a guarantee, a deposit, the Holy Spirit. Now we eagerly await for our adoptive parent to return. And our adoptive parent, Jesus, eagerly waits for us. Sometimes I picture Jesus asking the father is it time yet? <laughs> Can I go get him? <laughs> now? <laughs> now? He longs for that, guys. And we long for it also. And when Jesus returns, guys, he will take us to his house. And when we get to his house, we will be partakers of all his inheritance. But most importantly, we no longer we're no longer orphans. And we will finally have one to call our own Abba, Father. So hope to the rescue. Check out verse 24. For we were saved in hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Man, hope will carry us through times of suffering, guys. Are you clinging to this truth? Hope will carry us through. I want to share a passage of scripture with you guys from Hebrews 6. And this is actually what I was planning on preaching. I actually have a great sermon prepared on Hebrews chapter 6 because months ago, August 22nd, our 14th year anniversary as a church family, God put into my heart, you need to preach on hope. You need to speak to your brothers and sisters about the hope that you all have in me and I took that serious and it's a really good study I didn't know we'd happen to be in this passage of Romans which is the coolest hope passage in all of the Bible God just happened to work this out for us this morning but I'm going to just look at one verse with you guys out of Hebrews 6 19 it says for this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast fast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. Now guys, hope prevents us from clinging to what we have, and it frees us to move away from a safe place and enter into unknown and fearful territory. And the verse right before that actually tells us to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Lay Hold of that hope, hold fast, seize, cling to Jesus is what we are told to do. We hold on to Him. He is our soul's anchor, guys. He's the anchor of our soul. I have a tendency to look at myself a lot, I start to drown. Things can get overwhelming. The one thing God is teaching me, every time I look at myself, I need to look to my Savior 10 times, 100 times more, infinitely more. Look to Him. And that's where I'm able to catch my breath. That's where I find peace for my soul. That's where hope is found. It's in Him, guys. So, an anchor, we are anchored so we can make progress. (laughs) How does that work? Well, doesn't an anchor secure us? Absolutely, yes. But it secures us in a positive way, doesn't it? Okay, it secures us from drifting. Some of you guys are thinking Hebrews chapter 2, you know, don't drift away. I don't want to see any of us drift away from the faith. None of us talked with a brother in the lord that we support in ministry he's going to be over in spain this next year doing missions in barcelona got to see him yesterday um and we were talking and one of his mentors a pastor has walked away from the faith so when we're given warnings guys in scriptures not to drift it's because it happens it's because we need to take our hope seriously and we need to cling to jesus don't let go Let go of other things in this life, but never let go of Him. You see, we are anchored heavenward. Do you guys understand? We are anchored and we are going to heaven. Where Jesus ministers in the very presence of God, and that anchor will not fail. The hope is an anchor, faith is the rope. Okay? The ship is held by the anchor cast into the unseen depth beneath, the Lord has a safe and secure harbor in which our soul can securely drop anchor. So Jesus is an anchor that will hold your life's boat steady no matter what tempest of trouble there is or what downpour of doubt may rage in your life. He is that anchor for you and I. And he can sustain and he steadies Us when we are beaten and battered by life. That's our Jesus. So let's wrap this up. Back to Romans. Look at verse 26 with me. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit groans, not just us groaning, but the Spirit Himself groans. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So Holy Spirit to the rescue here, guys. I love this. So to help lend a hand. You guys know that Jesus said, I will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. He is there to help us. Okay, We can't do anything without God. Do you understand that? He's there to help us. I think about God the Father. Okay, He understands what the Spirit desires even though it is inexpressible in human terms. So there's no passage that I found in all the scriptures, guys, that provides greater encouragement for prayer than these verses right here. Think about this. Listen to the intensity to what Paul is laying down, by which the Spirit brings his prayers. That's pretty cool. Spurgeon describes a king and a petitioner. Bring your case before me, and I will grant you your desire, is kindness. But for him to say, I will be your secretary. I will write out your petition for you. I will put it in proper words so your petition shall be framed acceptably. Guys, this is the goodness to the utmost stretch. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for you and I. Is he groans and he prays on our behalf, guys. So there are times we can't pray. We can't pray. And we groan. When we get the call or the message from somebody who just lost a loved one, I don't even know what to pray right now. Your heart sinks, breaks with them, and you just cry out. You're groaning, oh Lord. There are those times where we see a wayward child making those choices you wish they wouldn't make. As a parent, that hurts you said all the prayers you can think you can pray you said them all and now all you can do is just groan that's the spirit guys in us the spirit is praying with us in those things so there are times that we can't pray my question for you guys this morning is will you let the holy spirit come and rescue you will you let him I want to conclude our time this morning by saying anchors away. Anchors away is used when an anchor is raised off the bottom. Today Jesus says anchors away to every other weight that is holding you down in this world. Cast off every sin that so easily ensnares you. Let that burning go. Anchors away, guys. Do you guys believe that God is on the throne? That he is in control? Do you believe in this hope we have in Jesus Christ? He is our Savior. I sure hope so, guys. Because he seeks to be your only anchor who will hold you sure and steadfast, guaranteed. Guaranteed. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, guys. I look at all of you. And I think about 14 years of God's faithfulness with this church family. I've had a lot of brothers and sisters come and go. So many have come to faith. Hundreds have been baptized, gone public with their faith in Jesus, ministering to the poor, the needy together. It's awesome. God is faithful. God is good. Life isn't always easy, though, is it? Ministry's not always easy. But you know what? God is faithful. He sees us through. And I believe, guys, the best days are yet before us. I truly believe that God is not done with what he's going to do. A lot of people have lost hope. Okay? But when we just keep looking to him, and that's what I want to do. Okay, I know I don't do it perfectly, but I want to be a fool for Jesus, for you guys. I want to serve well. I want to be faithfully teaching his word. Okay. There have been a lot of voices, a lot of people have said, No, you need to teach on this and speak to that and do this in ministry. And what about that program? I'm just gonna be a fool. We're just gonna teach the Bible verse by verse, like we have for the last 14 years. Because I believe for us as believers to be fully mature, we need to fully know the scriptures. And I see good fruit from the preaching of God's word, period. We're living in crazy times. Even the elect are going to be deceived. We want to talk a lot about a (laughs) a lot of bad news, but we have the good news. And that's what we're going to continue to do Here at Freedom Fellowship is proclaim that good news to the world. Do you guys know that we've had teachings from Little Kakauna, Wisconsin here go into 94 nations in the world? Think about that. God said go into all nations. Guys, we're living out the gospel here in our community throughout the valley. We're loving people. We're sharing the good news. And I want to thank you guys for being a part of it. Thanks for serving and the sacrifices you make. There's so much that goes on that's not even seen. I had a conversation with Ozzy just last week or two weeks ago. We were talking about the body at work together, okay? We have the eyes seeing stuff, the mouths that like to speak. You know, maybe I'm the mouth, I get to preach. Um, But he brought up the point of the liver in the body. If we, nobody sees the liver, but if you don't have the liver, you're going to (laughs) die, We all have parts. And I just want to thank you guys for doing your part. And I want to encourage you as a brother in the Lord, as your pastor, let's go for it. Time is short. Let's not waste our lives. Okay, Let's stay committed to what God has asked us to do. And I believe that more people are going to be set free. That they also are going to find this anchor of hope that their souls can find rest in their Creator, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for this morning. Uh, We thank you for the privilege of being able to gather, like we do here, the freedoms that we enjoy to be able to just come and worship publicly and be able to dive into your Word together uh, every week. Lord, we thank you for that. And I just pray with my brothers and sisters More than anything, God, we want to love you. We want to love others. We want to go uh, into this world, make disciples of all nations. We want to do what you've asked us to do. So please, use us, Lord. God, um, refine us. God, the grace you poured out upon us, Lord, you've been so faithful. And we trust and believe that you're going to continue to be faithful. So we just praise you, Lord, and thank you for your goodness. For your grace towards us, thank you for this church family. I so love these guys, and what a privilege to be able to uh, serve them, love them, to pray for them, to be able to preach your word. God, what a blessing! I thank you for that. Lord, I publicly, too, just want to thank you, Lord, for my wife, just how she's been such a, a partner over the years, all the different ministries and ways to serve. I just thank you for her and uh, my family. And just this church family, we are living in unique times. And I do believe you have a lot for us, God. Help us to be faithful in the small things. And whatever you set before us, God, we want to step out in faith. Lord, looking to you, clinging to you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.